Well, good morning. Good morning. My name is Neely McQueen. Jake mentioned that. I'm so glad to be here again. I love coming to Arbor. I love getting to experience it. So many people that I love and um, I love work here, attend here, and so it's always a joy for me to be here with you guys in the morning. I get this opportunity to wrap up this series you guys have been on, What's the Point? Talking about that question of various different topics of wrapping it up, but today we're wrapping it up talking about what's the point of prayer? Now, Allison, Jake, and I used to work with students, and it does not matter how long I've been doing it, how old the students are, where they're from, where their faith experience has been from. If we ask a student, how do you grow in their faith? They give us three answers without fail every time. Read your Bible, pray, and go to church. They know the answer. Now, they've kept me in business because they don't do it, but... (laughs) I'm saying they know the right thing. And that's, that's the thing with prayer, this topic of prayer, is we know about prayer. I mean, if anybody who knows anything about church or faith or Christianity knows there's this element of prayer, Christians and non-Christians, we've all had some kind of experience or thought about prayer. In fact, I would argue that Christian or non-Christian, in the midst of crisis, we all go to prayer. God, heal my dad. God, restore my marriage. God, please help me find a parking space. You know, we, in the midst of crisis, we find ourselves turning to prayer. Those prayers lead me to this place of asking, what is the point? Is that the point of prayer? Is that it? Because that method and that approach to prayer will always leave us with the question, what's the point? See, because this method of approaching God when we're in crisis is about transactions. It's about seeing God in the sky as this genie who answers our prayers. And we're missing the point. We, that's simplifying what prayer is. It's missing it. And so here's, I want to start with this big idea. This is what we're going to go after this morning is this, is that prayer is not transactional, transactional, it's relational. It's relational. See, when we only approach God in prayer, when we need something, it's a transaction. And we have got to move from transaction to relationship, to connection, to making it more than just a simple ask and receive. It's more than that. In fact, I think uh, the reason I believe that is because connection happens in a couple ways in prayer. Connection happens in obedience. This is the reality is that Jesus told us to pray. As his followers, he said pray. He showed us how to pray. He gave us a prayer to pray. And connection is about obedience. Obedience in relationship to our master, to our Lord, to our Savior, Prayer is about being with God. And we get that when we obey him, when we choose to obey him. And I want to unpack that a little bit more later. But also connection happens through seeing God move. I don't know about you, but if you've ever prayed for God to move in a certain way, and you feel like, God, are you moving? I don't feel like I sense that you're at work. I'm wondering where you're at in this But then when I look back on it, 
maybe years later, maybe months later, I look back and I think, oh my word, God was so actively moving in that moment. And what does that do when I see that? It builds connection. It builds relationship with God. Now, I wanna say that I think God doesn't always move the way we want him to move. That's, we actually don't get to decide. When we start to think that God should move a certain way and he doesn't and we think he's then not moving, that's when we've turned it into a transaction, right? So God does move sometimes, just not how we imagined. But connection also happens through God moving in us. When we hang out with God, when we sit with God, and when we spend time in prayer, what happens is our heart and our spirit begins to change, and we begin to reflect who Jesus is, and prayer is moving us. And that's all happening because of connection, because of relationship. So this is what I want to do this morning. I want to talk about a part of prayer that I think we often overlook, and I think it's an important part to connection, to relationship. And so we're going to hit this. We're going to really go after this. And this is the idea is this, that listening is essential to connection. That listening is essential to connection. What does it mean to listen in prayer? See, when, if you grew up in the church like I did, we are taught how to pray using an acronym. How many were taught with an acronym? Anyone shout it out. What, what did you, what, which one did you get? Acts. Acts. Yeah, that's right. Anyone get Prayer. Pray as an acronym? Okay, ACTS. So we teach kids, we're like, this is how you pray. You come to God, you got this little acronym, A, ask God, C, confess, T, thanksgiving, S, supplication. It's actually a beautiful formula to follow. But do you notice there's no spot or letter for listening? There's no place for sitting and being and creating space for listening? I mean, these formulas are a great tool for a one-way conversation. And I don't know about you, but I don't love relationships that are one-way conversations. Have you ever had that meal with someone where you're like, no, no, you talk, it's fine. No, you, you, you ask the question and you answer. Why do you need me here? Like, I don't know why I'm here. But that's sometimes what we do in prayer is we follow this formula and we don't actually set up space. And and I think what that does is that leaves a lot of us frustrated because we're like, God is so silent. I don't hear God. And I just don't believe that to be true. I believe that God is present. He is active. He's engaging with his children. I do want to clarify that I've never heard God's audible voice. I have never heard, really? (laughs) I don't know why I did that voice. I really regret that. (laughs) It wasn't quite as loving as I wanted it to be. I can't do it anymore. (laughs) It was a good joke, but I lost it on that one. I'm so sorry. I, I don't know that I've heard God's voice, but I know that I've heard God. And there's a distinction there, right? C.S. Lewis says this on his book about grief. Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasure, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I know last week you asked the question, what is the point of pain? And and I I don't know, many of us probably have found ourselves here just like C.S. Lewis, saying, God, what? It's clearly so loud. And here's what I know, I've heard God. I've heard him leading me, comforting me. I've been overwhelmed by the voice of God speaking his love over me. And it has been loud and it has been clear. 
but listening is a discipline. And, and what's unfortunate is our culture, our society, our westernized way of living has not really made space for us to know how to listen. We're really good at speaking and maybe at hearing, but not real good at listening. And so this morning, I want to kind of drive home this point. How do we connect to our good father through listening? So the first one is this, is we have to understand that God has already spoken. Connection is our doing. It, it isn't our doing. God's already made the effort to connect with us. His heart and his desire is for us. So when we pray, when we listen, we understand that God's already spoken, that we're not the first word. That's the problem sometimes. As we, we approach prayer and we think, God, we're, we're finally reaching out to you. Where have you been? And, and sometimes that creates anxiety for us, right? It creates this anxiousness like, if I pray, will God even hear me? Has he ever heard me? Has he ever spoke? And I just want to say, breathe deep. God's already spoken. He spoke first. He's the one who initiates He's the one who engaged. He spoke a word and he created. His creation speaks to us. And then he sent his son who was the literal word of God. He's spoken. Eugene Peter says this, prayer is an answering speech. The first word is God's word. Prayer is a human word and it is never the first, never the primary word, never the initiating and shaping word, simply because we are never first and never primary. I don't know, for me that brings so much comfort to realize that God has already spoken. God's already reached out to us. This is simply our response. The Bible says in Genesis 1, 1 through 3, it says this, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light and God saw that the light was good and then he separated the light from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness night and evening passed and morning came marking the first day. See, God already has spoken he spoke the word into the world into existence. He said, let it be light, and there was light. God has spoken. We can trust him. He has already spoken. And then his creation speaks to us, right? Psalm says this, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. I mean, how many of you, honestly, in the sunshine, aren't like, I hear you, Lord. You love me, right? You sense it. You're like, this is a gift. God is speaking. We, we take students um, to Canada and we go stay on these houseboats and we sleep up on the top of the boat and the stars are everywhere. On a clear night, there's so many stars and you're watching shooting stars and you're listening to the, the river right next to us and you're thinking, man, the earth is crying out the glory of God. God is speaking to us through his creation. Man, I, I, I can't... But sit, I mean, I, we drive yesterday in the, the clearness and you see Rainier and you're like, God is alive and speaking to us. 
And then Jesus enters the world, right? And Jesus comes and this great light comes into this dark world. And John 1 says this, in the beginning, the word already existed. Jesus has already been. He's been with the Father and he comes and the word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. In moments of silence, when you wonder, what is God saying to me? All you have to do is look to Jesus, the very word of God. God has spoken, he has spoken. When you open your Bible and you read it, you recognize the countless times God has already spoken and he is speaking to us through them. When we approach prayer and listening, we rest. We rest in this truth that God's already spoken to us. We don't have to be anxious wondering what God might say. And when we find ourselves praying, we can look at what he's already done, what Jesus did, and the words that Jesus spoke, and rest knowing that he is speaking to us. The second thing is this, is we need to make space for hearing. I think part of the deal with our lives is that we just got a lot going on. I don't know about you, but I look at my calendar and I am overwhelmed sometimes. There's just so much. We, we are prone to see how much we can put in our calendar. And I think our greatest obstacle is like, is there even time to do it? Is there even space? I mean, it doesn't matter if you're single, married with kids, married without kids. It doesn't matter your season of life. We've managed to fill our calendars. And we pride ourselves. I'm like, look how much I accomplished. You know, like, check out this to-do list. And I have done it all today. Am I not amazing? Are you not impressed? You know, like, we pride ourselves. We have no space for getting quiet. Recently, I was in my office kind of just working a little bit, and I was like, oh, I'll just put a podcast on and listen to the podcast. I literally, when the podcast ended, I was like, wait, did I, I don't, I could not tell you one thing that I just heard. And we've, we've like started this thing where we're like, we're really good at multitasking. And I, actually, you know, the science, the real science says nobody's capable of multitasking. That that's actually a lie that we've believed about ourselves. I, I mean, to me, I've always been like, gifts, multitasker. <laughs> That's not true, because one piece suffers and another doesn't. So if you're like, you know, I'll just pray while I'm driving and listening to music, it's actually not possible. One, because if you're really praying, you might not drive well. <laughs> like, it just is not, Betty Bordner, this woman who's been, she's like an 80-year-old volunteer, she's the greatest. We, she likes to pray when she's driving, but we have to remind her, you've got to keep your eyes open, because she really wants to zone in. You know, she really wants to focus. So she, nope, Betty, open. You know, she's a little <laughs> in touch with God more than the most of us are, but it's not possible. Because what we're really doing in those moments is, is more just like letting it come in and hoping that it sinks in but you can't really hear God when you're just hoping that there'll be extra something that you'll, that'll sneak its way in. We have to listen. And what happens when we really listen to God, and this is how you can tell when you're really listening and engaging, is it leads to obedience. We sense God is leading us somewhere. And we start to obey. And so, you know, maybe you're like, I don't know, God's not speaking. And I would say, like, I bet you God's speaking to you all the time but you're just not listening, and then you're not obeying, and you're not experiencing it. 
I do want to give one caution, as I think that there's this really bad um, thing we do in church, is a lot of times we like to say, God told me, God spoke to me, and I think it's a trap. I think a lot of times we use that as a means to get us what we want, to justify, like, I, I'm going to do this, because, you know, well, God told me, so please don't, like, you can't argue, right? If someone's like, oh, I'm going to do this when God told me, whoa guess you don't need to hear what I have to say, um, you know, like, because God already told you, you know, but we've got to put some guardrails in place for us. We've got to really help put some things in place so that we can really make sure we're listening to God. When I was attending Northwest University, I, um, I never forget this moment. I've been set up on this date with this guy, and we went to, on a group date, and it was fine, but I was like, you're not really my type, like, um, it's not going to work out, you know, very picky, apparently. Um, and I remember he cornered me in the cafe, and I will never forget this, because I'm like, why would you do this? Like, I feel like, okay, you, I'll wait. Um, but just know it's real. So we're in the cafe, lots of people around us. And he's like, I just need to talk, because I kind of probably have been avoiding him, because that's how I solve a lot of problems. But um, uh, <laughs> he's like, I just, I need to tell you that God told me that you're going to be my wife. And I was like, wow, so weird, because God did not tell me that, you know, like, it's so bizarre, and I was like, um, I'm sure at 19, I was very kind, <laughs> and my, I was like, nope, you know, at which point, he started crying in the cat, don't, why, you should feel bad for me, <laughs> this is a sad story about me, not him, <laughs> I was like, uh, it's okay, buddy, <laughs> you know, it's gonna, someone here's for you, you know, you'll find the one. I think you just misdirected that God's voice, you know, but the good news is we went on to be friends. He's married. He's got like 20 kids, so it's worked out very well for him, um, but we tend to do that, right? We tend to hear what we want to hear, and how do we determine that what we've heard is actually from God? And I want to give a couple little side things here. Um, because First John says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. How do we test it? We test it with God's word. It's already here. God has already spoken. So when I hear a voice that I think is God speaking to me, does it contradict what has already been spoken? Examples. God, is that you? Yes, you want me to cheat on my taxes? I received that word. You know, like, it's, it's not, Romans, very clear. Paul was very clear. We obey the governing authorities. Yes, Lord, I know I'm late to Tacoma, so it's fine this time to be in carpool by myself. Yes, God, I received that. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, again, does it contradict the word here? Yes, God, I can't stand my neighbors either. That, it, whoa, Jesus, love your neighbors. So if that word you're receiving is contradicting what has already been spoken, I will tell you right now, with all authority, and you can take it up with Jake later, that's not God. It's not God. The second thing is the community of believers. And this one I really want to stress, because I think we've gotten away, again, in our Western culture of being really individualistic about our faith. And so God speaks to me, oh, even like we, we find a way to make it so, well, this, this verse may mean that to you, but it means this to me. And actually, we have a gift in the community of believers. 
We have a, a gift of individuals coming around together to confirm what God is speaking in our life, to confirm and speak life. I've seen so much damage done when one individual says, oh, I don't care what the community of believers says, I'm doing whatever I want to do, or what I sense God is calling me to. We have a gift here. And so when we hear a word from God, when we sense God is leading us, we sit with those who are sharing life with us, and we say, does this seem like what God might be telling me? And we pray. There's this old practice. uh, It's called the clearness community, and it started with the Quakers. And the Quakers had this idea that they would sit in community, and one person would say, I sense that God is, is telling me this. And they wouldn't answer with like in advice, they'd only ask questions. Well, why? What, I sense that God is telling me that I should be a missionary. And when did that feeling start? When did that sense of God's calling? And they just ask questions, and it provides clearness. And we have this gift of community believers. So when God speaks, we bring others in. Okay, so let's go back. So how do we listen? We, we need to make space for hearing. The third thing is this, is we need to learn to embrace silence. I think making space is hard. We've got these busy schedule, schedules. But then since we've done that, we're kind of uncomfortable once we get silent. It kind of feels awkward. We, we're so used to filling every moment with sound, with music, with conversations, that sound listness becomes a challenge to us. In fact, I noticed this for myself, and it was like this total light bulb moment, and I was like, this is so weird. I don't know if anybody else is like this, but I now sleep with white noise because I can't handle silent. You know what I'm saying? Like, we are so, like, it's too quiet. I can't, it's stressing me out. I can't even sleep. So I've got to, and suddenly that's relaxing, you know? That's interesting, but we've just done that. We've made our lives so overwhelmingly loud that when it's silent, we're like, oh, no, 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 I don't like this. This is not good. It's not, turn the noise on. Make it, you know? My husband and I, we've been married for 21 years, and we were out and recently on a date night, and it was like, to- we did like had nothing to say. Like, we're just silent, and we're just sitting there, you know, eating our meal. And it- 20 years ago, that would have made me go like, what's wrong with our relationship? Something's off. Oh my gosh, is he mad? Is something going on? No, no, I better check his emails. We didn't have emails then. You know, like, um, I like just run through the list because some, it's not, we're not, but now our lives are so, we have three teenagers. Our lives are so loud that when we're sitting and there's silence, we're like, ah, just to be with you is good. Just to be in each other's presence is good silence. We need to learn to embrace it. Stop trying to fill it all. Silence doesn't mean absence. And that's what I think we get trapped in, right? C.S. It's not C.S. Lewis. It's actually Henry Nouwen. He says this, and I love this. All this is true only when silence from which the word comes forth is not emptiness and absence, but fullness and presence. Not the human silence of embarrassment, shame, or guilt, but the divine silence in which love rests secure. That's the silence we're talking about. Not where we're embarrassed to be quiet before God, but we're aware of his love all around us. Zechariah says this, Be silent before the Lord, all humanity, for it is springing into action from his holy dwelling. 
How many of you guys have like an annoying relative who's like really smart and likes to brag about it? Oh, just me? Great, perfect. Um, <laughs> so my brother-in-law, he's a professor at Northwest. He's very smart. And I w first of all, he's very smart, but he's also like, I'm pretty certain got like photographic memory, which I feel like is cheating to smartness, but whatever. It's not a big deal. <laughs> but he's super smart. Uh, he lived with us when he was a teenager, so I use that against him sometimes because he's like, oh, he like quotes like just whole things. So you're like, oh gosh, remember when you had acne? It was so cool. Um, like I just like try to drop those things in every once in a while to remind him. Um, but I was talking to him about this idea of silence, and he began to tell me about his studying, and he he said this really beautiful thing, and I was like, oh my word, who said that? And he's like, me. And I'm like, of course you did. Can you send it to me? It's really good. You know, to humble yourself in those ways is, is such a gift. Um, so I've got a quote from Professor Joe McQueen, who when he was 13, it was really rough for him. I just want you to know that. So, but this is what he said. God's native language is silence. The church fathers say, silence is God's voice, and that voice says, I love you, I love you, I love you. For silence is the space that God has made within his being for us to be. This is love, to let the other be, to open a space within self for others. Silence is that space within God's being where we are able to be. So when we hear silence, we are listening to God tell us that he loves us enough to make room within himself for us. It's beautiful. This idea that silence is not God's absence is actually God saying, look, I love you. Come just be with me. Exist with me. Hang with me. Be in my presence. And this is important when we talk about prayer being relational and connections is that prayer isn't God telling us do more to know me. He's asking us to be with him, to just be, to be with him. Prayer and listening, being silent before him is being with him. Today I want to do something a little different. I want to practice this. I want to practice being silent with him. And what we're going to do is we're going to do it kind of in a way that reflects what we just spoke about. We're going, to, we're going to listen to God's word, the word he's already spoken. And we're going to make space to hear. And we're going to get silent. So we're going to try something. I think it's going to be a little uncomfortable. It's a little different. We're not used to doing it. So we're going to sit quietly. Um, we're going to walk through a practice. We're going to read a scripture together. This is an ancient practice. The church fathers have been doing it for a very long time. So we're just going to sit. And I would challenge you as we do it now that you would be thinking about maybe another time this week you could do it. Maybe as a family, maybe as an individual, maybe as a life group, something like that. But here's what uh, I'd love for you to do. Just get comfortable and just close your eyes. And I want you to think about God and I want you to think about his love and focus in on who he is. And I'm going to read a passage of scripture. Be still and know that I am God. Be still 
and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be.